0: up by looking at the prophetic timeline that God gave us through the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and also the 70-week prophecy that Gabriel gave to Daniel as well through all of time. So I wanted to review that quickly to let you know where I I was uh, there and you know where I'm coming from as I'm teaching this uh, there. So the remainder of all of this, just so that you know, because I hold a premillennial view and I hold a pre-tribulation rapture. That's what you're going to get, <laughs> okay? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that I, that, that, I mean, like I said, every single one of these has truth. Every single one of these has things that are right. Um, I just hold to this position because this is where I feel um, everything kind of falls into place the best for uh, me in there, okay? Again, I want to stress this so strongly. If anybody else holds to an all-millennial view or a post-millennial view, whatever it is, th- these are not areas of division, Okay, not at all. The, you know, the, the reality is until we get there, we don't actually know exactly what's going to happen. We have some ideas and, Jesus, and God has given us some ideas and the scheme that I am, uh, the view that I'm giving to you for me fulfills um, all that the Bible is saying to me the clearest on that and, and what I know the most. Okay, so with that said, let me ask you, since we've gone through that over the last couple of weeks, Are there any questions over any of those things that we've already covered? Is there anything that's come up? Maybe you've read something, seen something. Uh, Any questions? All right. Oh, I knew it, Nate. I knew it. Go ahead, buddy. Okay, so he's, okay, so Nate is ahead of us, and Nate is reading through Revelation, and he's at chapter number five, and he's wanting to know who those who are on the earth that are avenged uh, at the fifth seal there, uh, and I will tell you when we get there. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm absolutely kidding. Uh, Great question. We will talk about that, but those are the saints that are martyred during the tribulation period. Those who uh, are saved, because there will be people saved during the tribulation period, Um, and when you are saved during the tribulation period, you are saved and you give your life because you are saved. All right. Today we're worried about the fact that we get ridiculed because we're Christians. We get made fun of. In the tribulation period, you will give your life because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? And that's those are the groups of people that in that seal there that they're talking about to be avenged uh, there. So great. So when we get to that there, you're coming up here and you're gonna teach that one. Okay? All right. Good job, Nate. Good job. Any other questions on stuff we've talked about? (laughs) Good job. Let's move on. So one of the things I I want us to see now uh, in the time that we are moving forward, the Bible gives us specific signs, specific things that we can look at uh, to show us that we are getting closer to the return of the Lord or the second coming of Christ. Now, I want to say this up front as we start looking through this. I'm going to be using terms like return of the Lord or the Lord is coming and stuff like that. All of that is in reference to the second coming, okay? Because the signs only align to the second coming of Christ. The rapture, there are no signs that have to happen. But here's what's going on. The closer we get to the second coming of Christ, we understand as we've laid out chronologically, the rapture, which is actually one of the signs we'll talk about tonight, the rapture of the church has to happen before the second coming of Christ. Sorry, are you tracking with me? So what I'm saying is as we look at these signs, it's lining up to the second coming of Christ. But the second coming of Christ doesn't come until the end of the tribulation period. What we're seeing here is we know that these signs are going to take place. It lets us know that we're getting closer to these events. It's getting closer to the tribulation period, but the rapture is also a sign. So I want you to, does that make sense? Is that clear? And I'll try to make sure we're clear as we go through that, okay? So everything that I've uh, said uh, up to this point, I want to remind you again, 25 to 30% of the Bible when it was written was prophecy. And most of that was in time prophecy. And these prophecies give us an indication of, uh, or signs, if you will, as to what is happening in the, what we would call the end times before the return of the Lord, before He comes, Okay? So Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 16:2 through3 He says, "When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearances of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So what he's saying here is that we must be able to discern the signs of the times. And quite honestly, the Bible has flat out told us that as time progresses, things in this world are going to get worse and worse on a spiritual level, on a physical level, on an economic level, on, on every tangible way that we can measure what life is, things are going to continue to progress as a whole negatively. Okay, Now, certain people will you know, be rich and better and all that kind of stuff, but as a whole. Uh, and, and according to the Scriptures. So Jesus points that there are signs that should be plain to those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, that are believers. Now, it's very important to understand these signs are not meant to make us anxious. Okay, They're not meant to make us be all worked up and 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 uh, fret about the return of the Lord. They're not to make us worry constantly. As a matter of fact, one of the dangers of studying prophecy is the fact that you can become so engulfed in prophecy that it consumes your life and you're a basket case. (laughs) I mean, every event on the news, everything that's happening, everything in the world, oh, it's the end! You know, you become chicken little and the sky's falling all the time. And God doesn't want that for us. But what God wants us to do is as we live our life and as we are living our life and trusting Him and obeying Him, He wants us to see, though, that God is in control... But yeah, these signs are going to keep coming and we're going to see things continually grow worse and worse until he returns. All right. The other thing that it's not supposed to do is it's not supposed to allow us to become complacent. All right. Uh, how many of you have ever known someone or heard of someone that has tried to put a date on when Jesus is going to return? Okay. Don't ever do that. We don't know. The Bible says we don't know. There was a book out in 1988 that was called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 88. I just want to let you know, calm you down, Jesus didn't come in 88, okay? And because he didn't come in 88, the same author wrote another book in 1989, 89 reasons why Jesus was coming in 1989. (laughs) Uh, It it doesn't work. And you know when people do that, what happens is people start selling their things, start sitting back, I'm just going to, let's all go out on a hill and sing kumbaya till Jesus comes, and God doesn't call us to do that either. Uh, Or He doesn't call us to have the mentality of, listen, it's all going to, Jesus is coming, who cares, don't worry about it, let's just go forward. No, we need to understand that we can determine and see the signs, and what those signs mean is that we are called to do something for what God has called us to do, and we'll, we'll see that. But we need to know and be able to discern the signs that are coming. So, as we know, the end times began with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when the church age began, that's when technically the idea of the last days, the end times began. And with that uh, happening, we know that at just every tick of the clock means that we're getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ. God has a calendar and a timeline, we'll see that as we go through here. He says that there's some general uh, signs and then five specific signs I want to give you uh, throughout this section here uh, uh, that will help us know that we are closer than ever before to the return of the Lord. Pastor Jimmy Evans, he's a pastor, author, um, wrote a book uh, entitled Tipping Point, The End Is Here. He made this statement, and I think it's a great quote. He says, the signs of the end times are all around us. We have reached a critical and unstoppable point so significant that nothing can be done by anyone or anything to keep it from happening. Which, no one can stop time anyways, <laughs> right? But we're there. We're at, I, I, you know, I think if we were to look at the prophetic clock, Uh, we would be looking at the final seconds even, ticking down prophetically there. There's no going back. This is the world we are living in today, right now. We are at a tipping point and the end is here. Now I agree completely with that statement, with one little caveat to add to it. And that is this, God is long-suffering. The Bible says that the church age is a parenthetical age that we have that's not a part of Israel's timeline uh, there as we showed uh, earlier. And the fact of the matter is that God has the right uh, in order to prolong this as long as He wants you see, and can take it as long as he wants. But I want you to understand that especially as we go through this section, you're going to see God does have a timetable. He does have a timeline. He does have a calendar. Jesus said when he was on the earth, no man knows when the Son of Man will return but the Father because the Father already knows uh, all things that are going uh, to happen. And, everything, and that should give us comfort because it should let us know, first of all, that this is how, how in control our God is, all right? Nothing, absolutely nothing is happening that is outside of his control, outside of his timeline, outside of his plan. He is in complete control. And this also means for us that we cannot be like the scoffers in 2 Peter chapter 3 uh, there that scoffed about the fact, well, everything has been the same uh, ever since the beginning of time and we're just carrying on and Jesus is never coming and it's not going to happen and they make fun and they mock and we'll even see more of that as we go through this. What it means for us though, what we must understand is the fact that Jesus is coming back that the rapture of the church is happening at any moment is imminent and we must be continually doing what God has called us to do to be ready for His return. And what that means simply is this, God has called us to live a life that is pleasing to God, to live uh, as the Word of God says and to be faithfully living out our Christian life and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ till He comes. And so th- that is what we need to be about. That needs to be what, what is um, important to us. Now, that doesn't mean we stop our going to work, unless you're retired, <laughs> right? Um, but we stop our lives, we, you know, our whole life is consumed. No, what Jesus is saying is that you've got to live your life, but as you live your life, you live your life with purpose, with God leading in everything that you do, and taking the opportunities and praying for the opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ whenever you can knowing that Jesus is coming back and, and His return is imminent uh, for the rapture of the church and uh, that we're going to go. Okay, So let's look at general biblical signs for Christ's second coming. I want to give you three general signs the Bible talks about. These are just generic things that, that are happening uh, that uh, we see the Scriptures talk about. So the Scriptures give us some general signs that we see in nature, and see uh, uh, in people to let us know that the ter- return of the Lord is, is coming. As time draws nearer to Christ's return, these things continue to grow worse and worse, as I've already said, or our knowledge of it becomes greater and greater. And that's very important. And I'm going to talk about this here in a moment. Uh, the, so, when we get into studying this, I'll, I'll repeat myself on this, but I just want to kind of start with this illustration. How many of you know the Bible says that when the, the end times come and it gets closer to the return of the Lord, there's going to be earthquakes and fires and all that kind of stuff, right? It's going to happen? Okay. When I read that and I look at that, I wonder to myself, are they increasing, which they probably are, they could be, there could be more happening in our world, or is it the fact that We have information more than what we ever had before. You remember, I don't know if you remember, maybe you remember. There might have been a time in your life, I got myself in trouble here, so I got to dig myself out, okay? Are you ready? There was a time, probably way before you, are we good? That if an earthquake happened on the other side of the earth, you wouldn't know about it. And I'm sure none of you have been alive long enough for that, because I started saying the wrong thing. So, (laughs) today though, today... An earthquake can happen around the world and we can know it in seconds. Uh, As a matter of fact, we can actually have footage of it happening as it happens. We can have uh, camera footage from uh, surveillance cameras in stores and stuff like that. I I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but I've seen when storms have come through, hurricanes, stuff like that, they actually show the building shaking in the middle of the earthquake while it's happening. You see the things coming off the shelf, you see people running uh, and stuff like that. And so... Either way, I think it is absolutely true that we know more of these things that are happening uh, more and more because of our technology. And it is very true and uh, y- probably accurate that these things are ramping up more and more as well uh, and happening more and more, okay? So let's look at these three general signs. That's one of them, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go forward. The first general sign, there, your first blank there for number one, is war's. And nature, wars and nature. And just what I was talking about just now, Matthew 24, 3 through 8 was saying this. As he sat on Mount Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? So that's Jesus sitting and talking to his disciples. And what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. So let me pause there. One other thing that's going to be happening, or one of the main things that's going to be happening, we've we've seen this over the years, is there will be more and more people coming out as if they are the Messiah, if they are the Christ. Okay, Uh, And and we see this happening on a regular basis. Uh, basis, if you will. Uh, probably the most prominent one for us in our, in our lifetime has, was David Koresh, remember that, in Waco? Uh, he claimed to be the Christ and there's been others that have had other things and I'm the Messiah and, and all of these uh, types of things that are um, happening. And it happens around the world and stuff like that. And he says, do not be pulled astray uh, because of that uh, there. Then he goes on and says here, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against uh, kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and these are but the beginning of the birth pains. So Jesus says, I want to give you some general understanding of what the end times are going to be like. And so... Since Jesus' day, even before Jesus' day, and all throughout history, there has always been, within every generation, countries that have been warring against each other, uh, earthquakes that have taken place, sicknesses of all kind. Uh, just so that you know, COVID-19 is not the first pandemic, right? Okay. There's been many, many others before that, and there'll be many, many others after, uh, after it. Um, plagues for all generations, And so the idea is is that why is Jesus using this as a sign of the end times? Well, the reason being is is He wants us to understand that we live in a broken, sinful world and there will always be these things, but as we keep getting closer, it will seem like things are getting worse and worse and worse, either because they are, which I believe that they are, uh, and also, though, because we know of them more and more than we ever have. Uh, before. Uh, Because I think what Jesus is talking about here is the anxiety. I think what Jesus is talking about here is what we feel because of what is happening uh, in the world. If we were to be 100% honest uh, tonight and, and really think back through this past year, every single one of us, no matter how our year has been, good or bad or whatever it's been, all of us would agree that we have carried a heavier weight on our shoulders than what we ever have before because of this pandemic. We we have we have ju- I mean things have just been a little more tense uh, as a result of it and, and I you know you may not put a, uh, your finger on it you may say that you've you've gotten through it or, or whatever but I've just seen it in in general and I think that's what Jesus is talking about as we get closer to the end these things are going to be happening more they're going to be more known to us and we're going to feel the anxiety of it more and the weight of it more and, and this is just how it's going to go. And what Jesus is trying to say is, don't be pulled astray don't be, don't don't put your trust in a false Christ. don't put your trust in, in, in you know uh, I'll be, I want to be very careful how I say this. don't put your trust in, in necessarily a doctor or a medical person, although we need them. <laughs> okay? I'm not against medicine, I'm just saying that our trust is in God, okay more than anything else, our trust is in God, our trust is in him uh, there so uh, so we need to make sure that As we see that, we continually trust in Him. So things will increase more and more. All of this is just the beginning, though, and I want to stress this. Jesus also said here that, um, and you'll see in the passage of Scripture, He says, See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So again, this is so general. He's saying, "Listen, you'll ha- you're going to have this in every generation, but this is the beginning." He uses the analogy of a woman giving birth. These are the beginning of birth pains that they, they start off with uh, uh, slow and they start off not not too bad, okay? But they're going to increase as we keep keep going uh, there. And since this is going on so long now, I'm ready for Jesus. For whoever this person the earth is to give birth right because I mean come on Jesus come back right uh, because we're getting close on that so any questions on that okay I, I think we we've heard this many times before we know this we, we recognize this the second one um, is people number two is people and as a sign of the end times people are going to change Now, not drastically maybe, Uh, maybe we've seen a continual change over time um, uh, there, Uh, although if, you know, I believe in the last at least 10 years, uh, in my lifetime I have seen a paradigm shift, I've seen a great shift uh, in how people act and react towards others and and the things that um, used to be uh, customarily good and kind have now Gone to the wayside or, or, or just downright mean uh, there. Uh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more specifically in one of the specific signs. But generally, we see here uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 1-9, uh, Paul writing to Timothy says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. Number one. I've got to be number one. It's all about me. Who's the most important? I'm the most important. And I will run over you to make sure I get what I want. And, and that's happening like crazy. We see that as the norm anymore. It's not, it's not stop and help your fellow uh, brother or sister just in life in general. Don't, don't help someone that, that needs help unless there's a the huge calamity that takes place. And sometimes people are forced to do that. And sometimes good things are seen. But in general... As a general rule, no, look out for yourself. Look out for number one. Lovers of money. Money is the most important thing. I'm going to get myself up the corporate ladder. I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can. Proud. I'm, I'm someone that's important. Um, man, we see this all the time. You know, don't talk to me that way. Don't look at me. That, well, who, are, you, you know, are you looking at me? We're, we're proud. We're like, I'm someone that, that's important. Arrogant. It goes along with that. Abusive. Uh, disobedience to parents and let me let me stop there as as I've seen and well again we're going to we're going to talk about this but I've seen children as they have have grown and and the struggle even more so now um, since I have a 12 year old a, a preteen uh, I wish we could put them to sleep until they get older but you know, I hope my daughter's not watching anyways But there's there's a there's a change, isn't there? There's a change in how you see them uh, act towards each other, and how they act towards authority, and how they and all of that, and, and and a defiance that is there that has never been there before. Maybe part of that's part of you know us parents' issues and, and stuff like that. But still, there's a you know Jesus said one of the signs of the end times, and Paul says, I'm sorry, Paul said this that there'll be disobedience of uh, parents, ungrateful ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. I'm going to tear you down to lift myself up. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I want to do my own thing, not what God tells me. Having the appearance of godliness, so this even makes its way into the church, he's saying. But denying its power, just playing the game. Paul says to Timothy, avoid these people, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin, and and led astray by various passions, always uh, learning and never able to arrive at uh, at a knowledge of the truth. That one just amazes me. Have you ever noticed how it seems like the smarter a person gets, the dumber they act? Right? I mean, and I'm not trying to be rude, but have you ever noticed that you think, man, um, just as Janus and Jambres opposed uh, Moses, those were the, the priests there that, that did some of the plagues, uh, there they opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. What Paul is saying here to Timothy, and he's actually describing what's happening in Timothy's day. How much more are we seeing that in our day, right? Paul's saying to Timothy thousands of years earlier, this is what people are like. And we're going, really? Because they're just like that now, if not worse, right? And he says, but this is going to be... The norm. This is how man is going to treat man. This is how we are going to treat one another. This is how we are going to to act. And so we're going to look at this a lot deeper um, as we get into some things specifically here. But I wanted to touch this as a general rule. We have wars and and nature that that are falling apart because of the the sinful world we live in. We have people's nature changing as a result of, as time goes on, uh, the things that we think are uh, norm or the normal courtesies, the normal things you would do, um, have changed as well. Are there any questions on that or comments? Steve? So the question is, avoid such people is what he's saying there. And so how do we do that as Christians? Well, the idea here of avoiding these people is do not bring them into your inner circle. Do not associate with these people so that they're your friends or the people that you confide in or you hang in uh, around. As acquaintances or people that we see as a mission to go take the gospel to, to show the love of Christ to, well, that's the world. And this is the standard uh, of the world. So we need to have these people in our lives. We need to have lost people in our lives that are our uh, friends and acquaintances so that we can go and reach uh, them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, these people, so what Jesus, say, or excuse me, I'm sorry, I keep saying Jesus, it's the Apostle Paul here. What the Apostle Paul is saying is that who you hang around is who you emulate. Right. Who you're who you're with, who rubs shoulders with you is who you're going to wind up being like. And it's much easier to pull a person down than it is to pull a person up there. Now, some can, some do, some get in and they're able to pull a person up and uh, a special relationship there. But uh, as I've told, uh, taught teenagers this so many years, I said, picture yourself standing on the edge of a pool and there's someone in the pool and you want to pull them out of the pool. What's going to happen? Well, there's no way you can reach down, standing up, leaning over the pool with someone who's in a body of water, the weight of the water holding them down, and then pulling. There's no way. You're going in. They're going to pull you down. Why? Because it's easier to pull something down than it is to pull something up. And so what he's saying here in avoiding these people, he's saying don't let these people become the closest people in your life. Um, and so he's encouraging Timothy here that as he's doing his ministry and stuff, that he needs to avoid uh, these type of people that would give him counsel that would that would help him in in his life because they're not going to give him the right counsel. But certainly, as you are and you are absolutely correct, Steve, that we are to have these people as contacts, as acquaintances, even as friends, but not. Close friends, does that make sense? So that we can live a right life before them, so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. So, absolutely, great question. Any other thoughts or questions on this? Very good. Number three, as I said, was a sign, pre-tribulation rapture. Pre-tribulation rapture. Or if you already know in your mind it's pre-tribulation, you can just put rapture, whatever you want there. As I said earlier, the rapture of the church is the next event that I believe must happen uh, before the second coming of Christ. And so... So to know prophetically what's going to happen is the church is going to be raptured out. The tribulation period is the last seven years that has to play out there. The tribulation period is going to take place. And then at the end of the tribulation period is the battle of Armageddon where Jesus comes back. We come back with Jesus. He defeats Satan, the false prophet, and um, and the Antichrist, casts them all into hell. And then he comes the rest of the way to the earth and sets up his millennial reign. And we move on into the millennial reign. But it takes the... Sign that that kicks all of it off is the rapture of the church, okay so the, this I put this in the general uh, category, maybe a little more specific than general, uh, but I just want you to see what this is. and so we have two passages of scripture that really lay this out for us that I just wanted to read and kind of talk about um, as we go through to show us the rapture of the church now. What's very important is this, in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, the whole topic of those letters is the rapture of the church. Every chapter you will find reference to the rapture of the church. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul makes the argument for the return of Jesus, the rapture of the church, and he makes such a convincing argument that it's not really written there, but it's told the reason why he wrote the second letter. He writes and says, um, some of you believe you missed the rapture. <laughs> because I convinced you it was coming, you thought you missed it. And um, he says, you haven't missed it, but I want to I give you some ideas of what's, what's happening here. So, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. So, Paul is saying, I want you to understand and know this. About those who are asleep, now that word asleep there is talking about believers that have died, okay? You see, the, the, uh, and this isn't soul sleep, but what, what it is is understanding that there's going to be a resurrection at the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we, we're going to see that as we go through here, okay? And those of us who are alive will uh, go with him, but the term asleep is given to believers who have passed away, because guess what? Those of us who are believers, we're going to be reunited someday. We're we're gonna be we're gonna see our family we're gonna see our loved ones who are saved and are in heaven again. It, when when one of the most wonderful things is to be a part. I do I do so many funerals and I do funerals for people in our community that don't have churches and don't have pastors and so most of those people don't have any type of religion or anything along those lines uh, there and they're pretty sad because there's you can see in their faces there's no hope they don't they don't know what's going to happen. But then when you come to a a believer, you come and do a funeral for someone who has accepted Christ as their Lord, and, uh, their Lord and Savior, you know that everybody that's there that's saved is going, well, it's just a matter of time and we'll see them again. And we have hope. We don't have to sorrow like those that don't have any hope. So that's why the term asleep is given there uh, for that. So let me start again. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others, um, as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Christ, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive... Who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Some of your translations will say shout. If you know the, like the old King James, will be a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, the tribulation period, again, we've we've talked about this, but I want to reiterate this again. Where is Jesus when He comes at the rapture? In the air. We just read that, right? He's in the sky. He hasn't come back to the earth. He's in the air. And then when He comes, there's the... um, the voice of command or the, or the shout, uh, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God that, that happens uh, there. And I don't know. I don't know if that will be heard worldwide or if that'll just be heard by believers or, or how that works. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I could tell you right now it's only believers, and then when it happens and everybody hears it, you can say you were wrong. Or I could tell you, you know, uh, the whole world hears it. And when they don't, you can tell me I was wrong at that point. But somebody. Let me put it this way. Somebody hears the trumpet and the shout and the the voice of God, okay? It happens. Uh, And then the dead will rise. And so this is the bodily resurrection. The body rises. Uh, As we talked about uh, last time, when we die, we are absent from the body. We are present with the Lord. Our soul spirit goes to be with the Lord. Our body is placed in, in the grave or in the urn, whatever it may be there. And then at the resurrection, they are raised. I don't have any clue what that's going to look like. All right, uh, I don't think it's going to be a Michael Jackson video. right? Remember the old Thriller song? Some of you are, aren't Michael Jackson. Anyways, zo- it's not going to be the zombie apocalypse or whatever else uh, you want to call it there. And I don't know, I, I, I know some of you are thinking this, I don't know if the urn opens up and the dust goes. I don't know... I don't know how that, how that happens. All I know is the Bible says that the dead in Christ rise first. Are you guys okay? Can we have some fun? I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, <laughs> you're all looking at me like, golly, this guy's morbid. I'm telling you. All right? All right, we're good. We're good. Dead will rise, and then we who are alive and remain will instantly be taken up uh, uh, in the Lord. And I don't know how that's going to look either I don't know if all of a sudden we'll be flying I don't know if we'll be transformed I don't know if it'll be beam me up Scotty I don't know what it's going to be but uh, we it's just gonna it's gonna happen you know uh, and we're gonna be given a glorified body uh, there before the Lord and we go with him uh, to heaven, I believe, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, excuse me, we'll first go to the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb there. But the rapture of the church is the next sign that happens. Jesus comes in the air, we meet Him in the air, and we go with Him uh, into heaven, those who are saved, those who die as believers and those who are alive as believers. And if if it be God's will, I want to be in the second group. <laughs> I'd ra- I'd rather not have to go down to go up, okay? So that's, that's kind of my... But whatever God wills. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, one chapter after that, if you turn the page there. Again, talking about the end times and the rapture of the church. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. So Paul's writing here to the church. He says, listen, I don't need to explain to you what's going to be happening in the last days. You already know that things are going to get worse and worse. You already know that there are going to be things happening. As a believer, you should be looking for the return of the Lord. That's what we look for. Uh, even though there are signs, really, what, what, uh, that we have and things that indicate, really, Scripture tells us that signs primarily are for the Jewish people. And we as Gentiles and believers really should just be focused looking up for, our, for the redemption of our Lord coming again uh, there. We're just supposed to be looking for His return. But Paul says, I don't need to write anything to you. Because for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now let me pause here. That term thief in the night is only for unbelievers. This is what he's saying. He's really pointing out the fact that you should know the Lord is coming. You should know and be prepared. He's not coming for you as a believer, as a thief in the night, because you're ready for him to come. He's going to be a thief in the night to the world. All of a sudden, the world's going to be going on, and all of us believers who know, who know the Lord is our personal Savior are just going to be gone. And they're going to have some alien story, some radiation story, some type of story, say that we all just disintegrated or something, who knows. But the world's not going to understand it. It's going to be a surprise to them. It's going to take them completely off guard so we need to recognize that what paul is saying here to us as well and the one thing that we need to absolutely understand is that jesus is coming again and we must be living our lives every single day of our lives living our lives the way that we're supposed to live with the understanding that today could be the day that jesus comes and we go to be with him for all of eternity which also gives us an urgency to how am i living my life what am i doing for the lord who can I share the good news of Jesus Christ with before he comes, okay? So, that's what he's saying. So, he, going on, while well, people are saying, uh, there is peace and security. Now, that, that terminology is meaning that my life is okay, everything's all right, we're going forward, okay? Then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, or that word darkness means literally you, you're, you, know. You, you know. When you're in the light, you, you know. He's saying you're not blinded by this you know brothers that uh, for that day will uh, excuse me for that day to surprise you like a thief I'm sorry but you are not in darkness brothers for that day to surprise you like a thief I had to read that all together there he says you're not going to be surprised you shouldn't be surprised for you are all children of light children of the day we are not of the night or of the darkness so then let us not sleep as others do what is he saying there? Let us not sleep as others do. Let us not become complacent. Let us not just do nothing. Okay, Let's be active. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we, be, we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the, a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, and we talked about that last time, that's talking about the tribulation, we're not destined to go into the tribulation period, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, that whether we are alive or dead, Okay, awake or asleep, that whether we are alive or dead, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So we know this is coming. We know the, uh, the rapture is going to take place. Now, let me point out something to you in these two passages. It's very interesting. And another reason why I hold to a pre-tribulation rapture of the church because at the end of 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18, it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 11, he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So let me encourage you tonight. Okay? The the tribulation period is God pouring out his wrath on sinful man. There will be there will be supernatural punishment by God being poured out on sinful man. Satan will be loose during the tribulation period to do what he wants to do. The, the world will be in total disarray and you will want to lose your life. Okay. So you are gonna go through the tribulation period. Are you comforted? <laughs> no. You're not. Why in the world would Paul say, comfort one another and say, okay, but the church is going to go through the tribulation period. You're going to endure these things and it's going to be a horrible time. But as my child, I'm going to send you through. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. However, you want to be encouraged? Before all the worst things that can happen supernaturally, God's going to take you out of here so you don't have to endure them. Are you encouraged? Yep. Because we've not been destined to wrath. God's wrath has been appeased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we put ourselves in the blood, when we accept Him as Lord and Savior, the wrath of God is appeased. You see, the tribulation period is God pouring His wrath out on sin. All right, So I believe, as I've already said, this, has, this must happen. This is the event that's going to take place that's going to lead to the second coming of Christ. As we've already discussed, nothing has to happen before this event takes, takes place. It's a signless event. And again, that's another reason why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church is because nothing has to happen. If it's post-tribulation, then the tribulation period has to happen before the rapture takes place. If it's mid-tribulation, then the Antichrist has to come on the scene and the first three and a half years of the tribulation period have to happen and the rapture of the church. Neither of those are the thief in the night. The surprise that takes place. Okay, So, um, it is the rapture of the church that is imminent, not the second, second coming. We, we do know when the second coming is going to happen. The second coming is going to happen at the end of the, uh, the tribulation period, at the battle of Armageddon. The Bible is very clear about that. So when it talks about the imminent return of the Lord, it has to be the rapture. Okay? Um, it is this event that we are called to look up and see our redemption draws near. And this is the event that the church is looking for. This is the event that must fire up the church to do the work that we are called to do before Jesus returns to take his bride home. This is our motivation. We can't become complacent thinking, oh, it'll happen someday. I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime. Maybe No, the Lord can return. And after the Lord returns, we can't do any more for him on the earth. We're done. And then we stand before him. Okay? Any questions on that? Steve. Where does the, so the question is, where does the judgment come in for the, the raptured people? Uh, the, the Bible tells us that there is the judgment seat of Christ, which are for those who are believers. There's the uh, For those who are saved, Christians in the church age, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a great white throne judgment that will happen for Old Testament saints and uh, those that go through the tribulation period at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. So for the believers, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I believe that the judgment seat of Christ, it's the Bema seat there, that when we stand before Him, uh, we will be given rewards based upon what we do, good or bad, uh, there. It will happen right after the rapture. So we are raptured, taken into heaven. I believe the judgment seat of Christ will take place. And then I believe we will go into this marriage supper of the Lamb that the Bible says about for the believers that are in heaven as well. Um, All of that will take place within the, with what, and what's happening here on the earth is a seven year tribulation. Okay. So I don't know how long uh, the judgment seat of Christ is going to take, but I almost feel like that the judgment seat of Christ is going to take next to no time. And what I mean by that is that God can judge us. Uh, all at the same time individually does that make sense we don't have to stand in line one thing i can promise you and i can encourage you with this because i believe this with all of my heart you are not going to stand before christ at the judgment seat of christ and your life go across the movie screen so that everybody can watch it okay i can't believe gary did that right okay Which Gary didn't do anything wrong ever in his life, so I could say that. So, uh, there. But I can't believe, you know, Pastor Mike did that. No one's going to see any of that stuff. No one's going to know any of that stuff there. Uh, I believe it's just going to happen individually on that. Gary, thank you for letting me pick on you, brother. I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Does that help, Steve? Okay, awesome. Awesome. Okay. We're running out of time, and I want to get to the first specific sign tonight if we can. Um, any other questions? Are we all doing okay? Gloria. So, what you're saying, at the judgment seat of Christ, is we're going to be uh, given rewards or rewards. Yeah. So, at the, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to receive rewards or lose rewards. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you will either be re- So, basically, all you're getting is rewards. For the good things that we do that are motivated by God, the right things that we're supposed to do, we will get gold, precious stones, and precious metal. For the things that we do wrong, including sin, sinful things, we will be rewarded with wood, hay, and stubble. Okay? When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, sin is not an issue because sin has already been paid for because of Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're not going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged because of sin, What we're going to do is we're going to be rewarded for things, good or bad, which could equal sin. So what happens then is that the things that are bad in our lives that we might say are sinful or not sinful, just bad things that we've done, wrong motivations, all that kind of stuff, wood, hay, and stubble is what those rewards are going to be. Those things that we do that are good, that God motivates us, that are good things, gold, precious stones, precious metals, all of those the Bible gives a picture of a fiery pit that's put in front of them. Those, all of those, good and bad, will be thrown into this pit of fire. What will happen to the straw, hay, and stubble? It will be consumed. All of that is gone. We get no rewards for that. We will, we will have a sense of loss for those opportunities that we had to do what was right and we didn't do it. What will happen to the others? They will be melted down uh, and all the impurities will come out. It's like purifying those golds and metals and stuff. Um, and they will be fashioned, I believe, into a crown... And we will receive, I don't know how many crowns, one crown, several crowns. I don't know what it's going to be. And in heaven, what we're going to see as we go through Revelation, around the throne of God, there are 24 thrones where we will be able to be there and we will lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus in an act of worship uh, to Him there. So when we go to the judgment seat of Christ, the word judgment there really is a misnomer. We're not being judged as a judge would find us wrong. The Greek word there is bema seat. The bema seat was the seat where the judges sat in the Olympics for the old Greek Olympics. It was there that they would uh, give the first, second, and third place. They would give, and they were crowns, they were, they were leaf crowns, laurel crowns that they would put on them uh, for those that have won. So the only judgment that is being given there is giving rewards for what they do it's not you're being punished or you're gonna have a penalty or anything it's not judgment that way it's judgment in receiving rewards does that make some sense so the only thing that we'll receive at the judgment seat of christ is the fact that we will receive rewards now the fact of the matter is that we will feel loss. we will go through those moments where the things that were negative um, so what what's the basis of um, good works or bad works Good works are the fact that our motivation is done the way that God wants us to. Bad works is that we have a bad motivation. So a good work could be, are you ready? A good work could be coming to church. That's a good thing. Why are you here? I'm here to worship God. I'm here to spend time uh, praising His name. I'm here to uh, get in God's Word. I'm here to encourage others to follow Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not here for any selfish motivation. I'm here to serve God and to serve others. That's why I'm here. Great motivation, great reason to come to church. What's a bad work? You ready? Going to church. How can church, going to church be a bad work? Well, I want to go so that I can go see someone that I'm upset with. I want to go and crumble, uh, grumble about the music. I want to go complain about the pastor's silly jokes. I want to go all of this, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And, and I have a rotten attitude and a horrible attitude, but I just want to come and I, just want, to, I want to be there. Okay, God looks at that and sees our heart motivation, or the other one, the, the, and the real one uh, for the bad side of this is my spouse drugged me here, right? Or or my mom and dad drugged me here, or whatever it, it might be uh, there. And God looks at that, and even though the works are both the same, one is actually a good work. And one is a bad work. One you will get gold, precious stones, precious metals for. The other one you'll get wood, hay, and stubble. And you will, if you come, if you get wood, hay, and stubble, you will recognize that you lost an opportunity to come and worship God, using church as this example, come to worship God right, and you also lost the benefit of what church could do for you in that moment and how that could spur you on to something else later in that day or that week or or whatever there. And so... Uh, and the Bible tells us very plainly that not only will the things that we do in our life be uh, shown at the judgment seat of Christ, but our very thoughts, our very thoughts will be a part of this as well. And so that again goes to the motivation. And and But remember, remember, here's the good news, are you, are you ready? Even though, because I've not had all good thoughts either, your salvation is already determined here. <laughs> okay you will not stand before Jesus if you're at the judgment seat of Christ rejoice because you're going the rest of the way all right yeah. there's no lever up at the judgment seat of Christ to go bad apple you know and then you, you dry. it doesn't happen okay that's only in Snickers commercials I think I don't remember which commercial that was but anyways that's it does that make sense okay awesome any other questions these are good any other questions Okay, um, so I just want you to know uh, here on page number four, there there are five specific things that we are going to look at. And I just want just, just to give you an overview You know. We're going to look at, uh, these are signs of the second coming of Christ, specific signs. Well, the first one, uh, and we're not going to go into this right now, just give you an overview. Um, we're going to look at Israel, we're going to look at truth, we're going to look at morality, we're going to look at technology, and we're going to look at time. And so, next couple of weeks, we're going to look at these things specifically. Specifically, in each one of these areas, we have seen things happen that have happened in our generation that has not happened in any other generation before ours. And lets us know that the time is ticking and we are getting closer than ever before. Uh, but before we do that, on page four at the bottom there, you see the word resources There. I just want to encourage you. I use two primary books other than the Word of God. Um, and, of course, the Word of God, just so you know, I put ESV there. Every uh, scripture that's in this packet is uh, English Standard Version Translation, just so that you know um, there, that, that's what that is. Um, I use two primary books in this section here. The first one is uh, by Dr. David Jeremiah called The Book of Signs. That's a great book to get. And then I use a book entitled Tipping Point, The End Is Here by Pastor Jimmy Evans. Primarily the five things that he has are um, are the five things in his book. uh, Also backed up by what Dr. Jeremiah had in his book there. But what's really interesting is Dr. Jeremiah's book, as most of his books are, is extremely thick. (laughs) And he goes through and gives 31 signs. Uh, of the end times 31 uh, prophetic signs that show that we are closer than ever before to the return of the Lord I didn't want to take you through 31 of them so we're going to go through the five major ones that I think make our point for us there and we are going to start that next week so uh, and and just so that you know you're going to see there. the first one is Israel that's your first blank for next week you can already fill that in and be ready to go all right, so we have covered a, a lot of stuff getting us to these general signs that we uh, have looked at and stuff. And um, we just have a couple minutes here. We, are there any other questions? There's no wrong or bad questions, even if you're Nate going to the end of Revelation before we get there. So, Kim. I just wanted to mention that there's a radio show on, it's on the One Place app called Understanding the Times with Jan What's that called again? Understanding the Times. Okay, so there's there, um, one place, oneplace.com, right? Yeah. So, understanding the times, oneplace.com. Jan Markell talks about end time things. Great uh, resource for you if you want uh, to use that. Uh, go there. And there are many, many good resources out there um, uh, for you um, as well. So, want to encourage you to, to keep looking at those things. Again, though, let me, let me stress to you. As important as it is for us to know this, and as fun as it is for us to go through this, okay, you can become extremely bogged down by this. And I want to encourage you that it's not our responsibility to be weighted down and so bogged down into this that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing uh, in our Christian life. Okay, So please, as you keep studying, keep studying all you want, but don't let this Become more important than living your life for Christ. Okay? Uh, there. Any other comments or questions or concerns or. So, uh, the marriage supper of the lamb. Uh, the marriage in, in Jewish times is seven days, like you said, roughly kind of a week or whatever, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, seven years. That is correct. That is, that is one of the main reasons why I myself uh, put it there, many others do as well, um, that we will be celebrating um, as the bride of Christ the marriage supper of the Lamb for that, that seven years. That's why I say that, so time is still in effect as we are going through this, even though we are in heaven at this point, um, God's timeline is still going on. We're raptured out. Um, but what is happening on the earth is also timeline going with what's happening for us in heaven uh, there. That's why I say that the judgment seat of Christ is, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a three-year process where we're all standing in line. It's not Walmart, okay, where you're always next in line. Okay, it's heaven, and we get, we get uh, taken care of, and then, uh, then we move on to the marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate us being the bride of Christ and and have that celebration. Absolutely. So, great question, man. Anything else? All right, great. Well, uh, it is uh, right now, 7.30. We we have taken up an hour. And um, I want to give you an opportunity to just kind of spend some time if you like. Uh, Maybe you need prayer. If you need prayer, grab someone. We pray together. Anything along those lines. Um, But just enjoy uh, some fellowship. And we'll be back next week to tear into this some more, okay? Let's pray. Father God, you're so good to us. I thank you so much for these sweet folks, for uh, their uh, wanting to learn and their questions uh, in all of this. I thank you for the study, and I pray, Father, that we will grow um, and we will see the importance of this in our lives to uh, get out and to try to reach this world for you. before you come. And I pray that you'll just guide and direct and bless and all that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great night.